It doesn't take a global pandemic for people to work from home, but the coronavirus sure has increased the circle to include so many more of us. Whether you're juggling little kids while trying to get that paper written, isolated and lacking the inspiration you usually get from daily encounters, or just happy you're finally not stuck in traffic, Welcome to Even Remotely Effective, a podcast bringing you practical tips from people like you for overcoming the challenges of working from home so you can become even remotely more effective in your pursuits. I'm Daphne Gold-Melchior, wishing us all to soon be able to resume choosing how much remote and how much in-person work we'd prefer. And meanwhile, let's master remoteliness. He's a software developer at a purpose-driven software house, who also blogs and creates books and courses while, or in his case, whilst he and his wife raise their two young children. So how does John Hilton of Shropshire UK do it all? And how has the Corona lockdown impacted his routines? In order to achieve his mission, helping his fellow developers be more productive in taking ideas and turning them into working software, John has learned to manage time in chunks. Anyone heard of the Pomodoro method? He's learned to get realistic about Corona homeschooling including cleaning the cocoa, flour, and water asteroid aftermath from all over the kitchen, and to use the current constraints to his advantage. John invites us all to ignore the social media feeds, modeling artificial perfection, to be kinder to ourselves, and find the fun in it all. These sound like jolly good ideas to me. Hi, John. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. I'm really glad you're here with me on Even Remotely Effective. And I take it you have an interesting combination between remote and non-remote working and family and juggling it all. What's your take on that? What's changed for you these days? What's different now? That's it. So usually I have a a part-time job for a company in town where I work three days a week and that's in the office. And then two days a week working at home on my own things, which are the blog and creating courses and books. So that's my self-employed time. So I'm kind of used to having three days in an office with other people and then two days at home once I've got the children to school by myself and getting used to that balance. I've got quite productive on my days now when I'm working at home. So what's changed is suddenly those three days in the office and two days at home have become seven days at home with the entire family here as well, (laughs) which unsurprisingly does change things slightly. So what we found is that with the children, especially technically, of course, they're now being homeschooled, which is something we've never done before. So there's a real adjustment there for them and for us. And what we found is that essentially we've got my wife and myself who are both working. So she's a teacher and I'm obviously doing my things at home and we're both trying to balance our work and the children. And that's the challenge at this point. So what would you Uh, say is your biggest learning so far about what does make it work what is working and why is what's working working yeah so i would say probably the thing that absolutely set us off on the right track from the very beginning was the head teacher of our six-year-old school saying lower your expectations and he said that whilst a qualified teacher might get four or five hours of learning out of a child at school in a school setting you really don't want to be aiming for that (laughs) because it's not going to work and actually he said if you get 20 minutes of quality time focus time at once that's really good don't overdo it don't try and do too much 20 minutes at a time is a really good achievement so actually that kind of set us in the right frame of mind from the beginning i think not to overdo it not to do that thing that you sometimes do when you think oh i'm going to get a gym membership and i'm going to go four times a week and i'm going to do two hours at a time and it's a bit like that you have to be realistic i think is your school providing a curriculum that parents are meant to be studying with the children right now or do the parents have to kind of put it together 
themselves. Yeah, so it's kind of between the two, actually. So they have provided materials and they've provided work every day. So there's a system called Class Dojo, where the teacher says what they want them to work on that day. And we can take photos and send that work back, which is obviously a big adjustment for the school because they've never operated that way before. So there is a bit of that, but also they've been really good as well. And they've said that, you know what, if the children don't want to do the work we've set or they want to do it in a different way, go with that. My brother, who's also a deputy head teacher, said the biggest problem would be to turn them off learning. And that's the risk doing this at home. You could very easily fall into that trap as a parent of, you've got to do this work. And if they're resisting, which they're going to do because they're children, we found that the worst thing you can do is try and push forward and say, you've got to do this work because all you really get is kickback and it's not an optimal learning environment. So actually, we don't want to turn them off learning. So it's finding ways to get that work done that kind of works for the time and for the mood that they're in and for the setting we're in at home. Do you try to set a very fixed routine as far as what hours of the day are dedicated to studying with them? Yes, we've had a few iterations of our schedule. (laughs) We've had different goes of this because obviously my wife and I are also trying to balance our own work and we found that alternating works well for us. So I think a few days we both tried to do our work at the same time just did not work. The children were in and out all the time because they need our attention. So we've now taken to alternating. It's usually about an hour and a half each. So that's good for us. We get at least an hour and a half to focus on our work. And then in terms of the kids, they actually really like the schedule. So we've printed one out with pictures and put it on the wall. And every now and again, my four-year-old will go over to it. I don't think she can tell the time yet, but she'll go and look at it and look at the picture of the clock and then look at our clock and say, it's screen learning time now. (laughs) I think they've taken to the schedule. We find that's pretty good because it gives them some routine. But I'd also say if you stick to the schedule too rigidly, that doesn't work. In reality, there needs to be a bit of flexibility there. So we found it's good to have it as, as a baseline, but it's still okay in the day to adjust that slightly and kind of go with what makes sense on any given day. And have you had to inform your clients that you're only available during specific blocks of time? Yes. So certainly for my part-time job that I'm doing now remotely, that one, obviously I'm working for another company, so I do need to do that. But they've been really good about saying, just let us know on Slack when you're available, when you're not available. Obviously, we're trying to juggle meetings and things around that as well. But overall, they've been pretty good about it, really. So it's worked well. Did you know that they were that family friendly when you were going in to work there physically? I kind of had a sense of it, but I think this situation has kind of tested lots of things, hasn't it? And you soon find out the reality of the situation. And I think they've realized that they've got lots of staff who have got children and it's just not going to work if you try and hold everyone to a nine to five job in this situation because it's just not possible. So they've basically said, if you can do your hours and spread those out through the week and just do them when you can, that's absolutely fine. So that's worked out really well. What we found with the children with that whole thing about not trying to force them to learn is that there's a lot of learning to be done that is more practical. And actually they really want to do that kind of stuff. And if you left them to it, they kind of would do creative things for themselves. For example, the other day they'd seen something about, I think it was to do with the dinosaurs and when the meteor hit the earth and what the earth did and how they could recreate that. So I walked in to find that they'd got flour, water and cocoa powder all over the table recreating what happened to the earth when the meteor hit. (laughs) So they're learning and they're enjoying it. As a parent, you've kind of got that moment of thinking, yeah, this is going to be a pain to clear up. (laughs) I think going with those things is definitely good for them. And actually, there's a bit of fun to be had in all of this as well. Beautiful. Have you discovered any other upsides to the current situation in that regard that's suddenly forcing you to be at home together a lot more? Yeah, I would say 
as with any family, there are upsides and there are definite testing moments. <laughs> I think they actually appreciate seeing more of us because obviously we usually work both of us pretty much full time. So they're used to going to either nursery or school or being with grandparents. So I think on that level, they're actually quite enjoying our full focus time and attention. And as you say, we're probably doing more walks now because we live in the countryside. So we're technically allowed to go out once a day to do exercise. And therefore, we've probably done more walks in our local area in the last few weeks than we've ever done. <laughs> and it's like rush hour out there. You've got all these people going past on bikes and walking through the countryside and everything. So that's a definite upside. And again, I think from a learning point of view, there's plenty that you would just learn by doing that when you're looking at birds of prey that are flying overhead or walking through rapeseed fields and all this kind of thing. There's plenty of learning to be done just in that natural environment. And what about the work side of things? Productivity is one of your big things, right? How yes. have you compensated for the fact that you don't have those totally clear blocks of time that you used to have three days at the office? How do you get your work done from home with the kids, with everything going on? Yeah, so it's really interesting. I actually think there's an interesting thing kicked in here about constraints. So when you know that you have the whole day, then very naturally it's possible to procrastinate or take a while to get into things. And equally, it's possible to maybe get to a point where you're a bit tired, but you don't realize and you just plow on anyway. And losing that and having those constraints to say, look, you've got an hour and a half now probably forces you to be a bit clearer about what you're going to work on in that time. So I found that I've got much more organized than I usually am. In our house, it's usually my wife who's super organized and I just kind of work it out as I go along. But I've now got a series of post-it notes for the things I need to do every week and every day. So I do an hour and a half first thing in the morning from half past seven because the kids wake us up at six anyway. And I've actually found just saying, right, so I've got to tick off these things off my post-it notes is really clarifying what I need to work on. Do you feel like any of the clients are more flexible and understanding? Do you still have to make the same deadlines or is everybody kind of just in a different pace right now? Yeah, I would say overall, I think everyone probably has adjusted to a slightly different pace because everyone's working from home and everyone's dealing with these kind of constraints. But with my part-time job, we do still have deadlines and we do still have clients who are expecting work at certain times. So I think there's a degree of understanding there, but obviously the world is going on and at the end of the day, delivering projects is cash flow too. And for companies at the moment, that's actually more important. So there's that real balance we found between being sensitive to where people are at and still needing to keep the projects ticking over. Do you have a significant commute on those days that you used to travel to the office? Is that additional time that you've been given that now you don't have to travel? Well, interestingly, nowadays, I actually work about 20 minutes away, so it's not too bad. I used to work an hour away. And the thing that I noticed moving from that job to one much closer to home was that I lost all my podcast listening exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm actually, yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm not listening to podcasts on the way to work. It's a good excuse to go away from the children, even though we're at home, and have a, a half hour to listen to a podcast. So that works out quite well. My husband is happily volunteering to wash dishes because then he gets to wear his headphones and he's obviously catching up on his podcasts while washing That's dishes. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You find the space and the time where you can. <laughs> totally. But, so with the children, it's really interesting. Obviously, we've got this homeschooling element. But we've also got the reality that the rug has been pulled from under their feet as well. So emotionally, although children tend to be much more in the present, they are obviously going to be affected by this. So my six-year-old, and it kind of comes out in interesting ways. She today, we were on the walk home and she said, this is going to sound really weird, she said, because it's mostly just learning and assemblies and that kind of thing. But I'm really missing school. And I said, that's interesting. What do you miss most? And she said, my teacher, the class guinea pig. So they have a guinea pig in the class. And then she said, the food that they serve at lunchtime, apparently. She said, that's the best food that she's ever had. Mine is second best and my wife's is third best, apparently. And then finally, she said her friends. <laughs> so that kind of gives you her order of priority. 
priorities. But yeah, underneath all of the way they're behaving, and sometimes they have up days and good days, and sometimes they behave in a way that's a bit surprising. Maybe they have an outburst or they do something that we're not used to. It's because we're spending a lot more time with them, so we're seeing more of these things. But also underneath all of this, they've also been somewhat affected by this, and they don't know how to communicate that. So we've definitely tried to create that space and just let them tell us how they're feeling, which I think is important as well. Definitely. Are there other practical tips that you could share with other parents who are also juggling? (laughs) I mean, my kids are teenagers, so good luck with that. Very different challenges being in lockdown with teenagers and their needs and their wants and what makes them happy. Do you have other insights that you've come across for other working parents that are trying to make it all happen from home in parallel right now? Yeah, I think one of the things that you can definitely feel as a parent is varying degrees of guilt. Are you doing the right thing, the wrong thing, too much of either? On good days, you have all these aspirations for your kids that they're going to be independent and confident and creative. And then other days, you just think if we all survive this unscathed, we'll be doing well. We've really noticed that if we've got work we want to do and the children aren't occupied, and obviously we're trying to avoid just putting them in front of the telly all the time, there's a friction there and they're going to come in and they're going to pester. And what you're going to end up doing anyway is getting a bit frustrated because you can't do your work. So you're going to react and get a bit cross maybe and say, oh, I just need to get this done. So we've realized that actually you almost need to flip that. And if you give them that bit of time to start with, and this doesn't always work, but if you can kind of invest a bit of time in them to start with first, maybe do something with them, an activity, get them doing something interesting. There will come a point where you can back off and do your work. They're happy then at that point because they've also had a bit of your attention. And I think it's much more productive than trying to do your work anyway and then having to deal with the consequences. I'd say as well, and I can't remember where I heard this sadly, but a quote I heard someone say that children just haven't learned the skills to always communicate how they're feeling. So what we see as good or bad behavior is actually really just convenient or inconvenient. And it's them in all cases trying to communicate. So I've tried to be sensitive to that, that when they do something that you could find annoying, it's quite good to stop and think, well, look, it's not really good or bad. It's just a bit inconvenient right now. Be aware that there's something going on underneath that. Try and see why it is that they're actually behaving that way, especially when in this situation, so much has changed. They could be having a moment like the rest of us where they're just reacting to what's going on. The other one that I feel as parents, going back to that parental guilt problem, is we've realized you just have to be kind to yourself, really, and accept the reality of this situation, that they're not normal circumstances. There's a temptation to try and be like the perfect homeschooling, working parent, but this is new to all of us. And there's going to be days where it goes well and days where it goes much less well, trying to avoid the trap of comparing yourself to others. What everyone puts on social media is generally the good stuff and they don't tend to put that blazing argument that they had with their six-year-old on social media so you need to be careful about comparing yourself to what everyone else says they're doing publicly one final benefit of all of this i think that's emerged is there's so many people doing great things online so there's so many online resources now to help the children so there's a lady called maddie moat who does television over here but she's also got a youtube channel and she does amazing videos she's doing live videos every week now teaching various things that's where the dinosaur learning came from and the asteroid hitting the earth experiments did but, you, you know, invite she, her to the, come clean your kitchen <laughs> exactly <laughs> no i should when the lockdown's finished i'll get her over and my daughters she would watch that all day if she could she's really taken to that so there's plenty of really good resources out there now that i think we can all tap into 
Great. And speaking of resources, and since you're a software developer, so from the kids back to the work side, are there specific tools that might be helpful for people that are working from afar? I know everybody has moved to living on Zoom and you mentioned <laughs> Slack before. What else do you use that people might not be familiar with and could help them? Yes, yeah, so that's an interesting one. We've got software that we use, obviously, for our projects of work, but they all tend to be quite software development focused, really. But we've certainly found that Slack works. So I think there's a downside to Slack, which is that it can be become a bit of a distraction when it's just scrolling past and people are putting things in all the time. So I think there's something to be said for turning that off. The thing I found most useful, although it's not a business productivity tool in the slightest, sorry, I've got two actually, I'll do two of them. Great. I just thought of one. So one that isn't really business focused is just the ability to listen to music. So I've been putting my headphones on and listening to Amazon music a lot. <laughs> so that certainly helps when I'm getting my hour and a half of focus. But then the other one is the Pomodoro technique. I don't know whether you've heard of this. This is the idea that you do work in 25 minute increments and then have a five minute break and then do that again and after a few of those you have a slightly longer break but the key to it the way it really works well is if you're very clear that for this 25 minute pomodoro this is what you're working on and for that 25 minutes you're not distracted by anything else you don't open social media or email or whatever it might be you just focus on the one task that you've committed to doing for 25 minutes and then have a five minute break and then do another 25 there's a website for that called Pomodoro Tracker, which I'll look up the address is of. Is it the name of a method? Yeah, the Pomodoro Technique is a method. The Pomodoro Tracker website is just one way of doing it. And it just gives you a big countdown, 25-minute countdown, but it lets you put in there what your tasks are that you're going to work on. But what I found really good with that is if you track how many Pomodoros you do a day and they're all on things that you wanted to do, even on a day where you could otherwise think, oh, I haven't got much done today, I didn't finish my blog post, I didn't get that done, you can say, but you know what? I did five Pomodoros, so I did what I set out to do, even though I didn't achieve my ultimate objective. So That's rewarding that really as a have done list rather than a exactly, to do list. Exactly, which is all you can control at the end of the day. The blog post might take a bit longer than you thought, but you can still control what you put into it. Fantastic. Thank you very much, John, for all of these helpful tips, both on the parenting side and on the professional side. I appreciate it. You are most welcome. Are you hoping that you can get back to your regular schedule as soon as possible, or are you good with continuing getting to spend this extra time with the kids for a bit longer? It's an, it's an interesting one. I was thinking that just today actually that in a weird kind of way having now adjusted to lockdown life I was thinking it's almost hard to comprehend going back at this point it will be nice to have some time without the children and the family just time to get out and have your own space a bit more there's a positive it's probably that we have done more as a family together through necessity and some of that we've said we will carry on things like the walks do more walks outside in the countryside and those kind of things so yeah there's definitely positives to be taken I think beautiful so wishing you and your family the ability to make the most of this period and for everybody in the best of health to be able to get back to choosing how much remote and how much in person they want to do going forward. That's it. Fantastic. Thank you. I hope you found this even remotely helpful. If you're seeking consultation on effective messaging and presentations remotely and hopefully soon in person again, reach out on LinkedIn. I'm Daphna Gold Melchior. That's Daphna, D-A-F-N-A, Gold, G-O-L-D, Melchior, M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R. Here's to the health and wellness of you and your loved ones.